Welcome to episode 155 of the Left Behind Game Club. This week, we finish our Zero Escape series by diving into Zero Time Dilemma. Let's get right into it. You're listening to the Left Behind Game Club. Welcome to Left Behind Game Club, our never-ending attempt to make sure that no game is left behind. I'm your host, Jacob McCord, and today I have one friend with me. Uh, they are the incomparable, uh, amazing Control-Alt-Noob. Welcome back to the show. Hi, thank you for having me. That was very nice. <laughs> thank you. Uh, incomparable came to me like that, and I'm like, mm, I'm going to use that word to describe her. I don't think anyone's um, ever called me that before. <laughs> well, there you go. There's a first. Uh, you've been on a few shows before. Uh, namely our first two episodes of this series, uh, 999, as well as Virtue's Last Reward. Uh, but for folks who are just hearing you for the first time, um, tell me about yourself. What do you do? I am a Twitch streamer, primarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, I go by Control-Alt-Noob, uh, Zero, on Twitch. And nothing to do with this game, though. That's a funny coincidence, isn't it? Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I basically stream on Twitch. I stream a variety of, like... Indie games, older games, some newer games as well. Uh, exploration, story, stuff like that. Uh, it's not going to be the best gameplay you've ever seen, but uh, it's always a fun time. And then I do bits of YouTube and also bits of writing lately as well. So a little bit of like a little bit of everything games. <laughs> what have you been covering lately? Uh, on Twitch, we have. Oh, good question. We just finished off uh, Uncharted, actually. I played mm. Uncharted The Lost Legacy, the, the final one. Uh, mm. That was very fun. And I'm currently playing Astro Legasto, which is an indie game. It's it's very good, actually. Uh, you play as a doctor in Shakespearean times, a, a, a mm. real legitimate doctor who finds answers in the stars. And... Um, I'm currently playing the Dark Side Detective as well. Uh, mm. I'm on a bit of an adventure kick at the minute, actually. <laughs> uh, if you want to hear Noob, she's been on three episodes before this. Uh, episode 104 about Psychonauts. Mm. Uh, episode 121 about 999, nine hours, nine persons, nine doors. And then episode 146 about Virtue's Last Reward. So again, great places to start. Thank you for being here today. I couldn't think of anyone else that would be better to do this podcast about zero time dilemma. Thank you. That you got some faith. <laughs> we're gonna we're uh, gonna get there. Look, this game, uh, and before we dive into it, this game is twisty, turny. Uh, it's an adventure game. I know you love them. Um, we're not gonna get everything right on this. Uh, we're gonna try our best. But this game story, in my opinion, and I'm sure you have opinions too, is like a high watermark for like sci-fi twisty turny stories. And we we promise not to get anything wrong, but if you're listening to this and you're a fan of the series, you may go like, yeah, but they didn't talk about this one thing. There's so much to this game that we're going to try and cover it all, but we might miss a thing or two. So give us some grace is all I have to say. Yeah. And if we miss anything and if anyone's like deciding to play it, you you might find some surprises, you know? 
think that's good. I love it. I love it. Uh, well, let's dive into it. We're here to talk today about Zero Time Dilemma, developed by Chime, uh, published in North America and Europe by Axis Games and worldwide by Spike Chunsoft. Uh, this one's available on a lot of places. Uh, 3DS, Vita, Windows PC, PS4, and Xbox One originally released on June 28th of 2016. If you had to describe this one in one sentence, uh, what would you say about Zero Time Dilemma? <laughs> oh, so I'm actually stealing something that a friend said here, but uh, okay. I thought it was pretty good. It's um, in the Zero Escape series, it is the most linear and the least linear game of the series. That's what I want to say. Oh, okay. okay. We'll get into that later, but it's curious. I love it. <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll take like a more Zero Escape um, tact on this. Yes. But Zero Time Dilemma is what if Christopher Nolan made a movie about escape rooms or a game about <laughs> escape rooms? Because it, okay. is, it is wild and crazy. Okay. Um, how did you play this one? Uh, what is your experience? I know that we've talked about the others first, but like, how did you play this one? When did you play it? What's your experience with this and other adventure games? I played this uh, in... I finished, hold on. So I played the entire series on YouTube um, Mm -hmm. as like a let's play. And I had like a bit of a gap between them all. uh, But Zero Time Dilemma I played this year. I believe I was just on playing it or just about to play it when we did the previous episode of Virtue's Last Reward. Just about to start, yep. Um, So that's kind of when I played it. And I actually played this one on PC. The others I played on PlayStation. Uh, but this one I played on PC because I had a PC by then. Um, and it worked well. Uh, and I, as far as adventure games, I feel like I've played quite a few at this point. But I, like for the genre of sci-fi, I don't feel like I'm that experienced. So this is just, this is an absolute trip. This is like the most sci-fi thing I've ever experienced in my life. <laughs> And this this game specifically out of the trilogy. So again, there are three of them. We've talked about two of them. I feel like this one, we thought the last game was trippy. This game, despite being maybe more linear than the other, than maybe Virtue's Last Reward, it is even more twisty and turny because they have to imagine like a Telltale game where there, it's a diamond, right? Where you start at one point and then it kind of opens up with all the possibilities and then they have to close the diamond and get to like, a conclusion i feel like virtue's last reward opened the diamond and like opened our minds to all the different <laughs> wild and crazy stuff happening in the series and in this game they have to filter you down to like unending which is is good and bad and i'm sure you have thoughts about that too yeah it's um do you want me to get into overall yeah, thoughts please. now yeah. uh yeah it's so when I first played it, I didn't really know what to think of the ending. I was very confused. Uh, and as time's passed, I've grown a lot more fond of it. And as I've spoken to other people about it and grown to understand what actually happened and stuff, uh, I really like it now. I just mm-hmm. recently rewatched it um, to refresh my mind. And um, it is one of those that is definitely very cool for a second uh, dive into it. So mm-hmm. I think that's my main opinions. At first, confused. But after that, actually worthy ending, I think. 
Although, okay. also, okay. I would like another one. <laughs> so, so, I guess, have you heard of the, like, AI Somnium Files games? Yes, I just recently played uh, the first one, actually. Okay, I think last time we spoke, you were going to play them. Um, did you like them? Because that came, comes from, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the same director as uh, these games. It, it's the same, it's the same something. It's the same studio or something like that. I think it is, and also the same the same writer. Potentially. Oh, like literally same writer. Um, mm-hmm. I, I liked, I liked the story. I didn't like the gameplay as much. Uh, mm-hmm. It was very different. Uh, oh, that's that's a good question. I think I like Zero Escape better, but uh, AI is worth playing still. I think. Mm-hmm. That one's halfway between, and correct me if I'm wrong here, because I've only looked at maybe some videos, but it reminded me of like halfway between a Danganronpa game with like some of the elements of like the crime investigations from Phoenix Wright. So I haven't played Danganronpa, so I don't mm-hmm. know exactly what is in that, but there is, it's more interactive. It's way more interactive than these games. Um, like it has like literally not point and click crime scenes, but like you can click on all of the scenes and like Mm -hmm. you're doing a lot more variety of stuff and the puzzles are very different as well i wasn't a fan of the puzzles so that's where it kind of fell down for me but uh the story and like depending on the order you get it it's probably very different but the story in the order that i got it like i was Mm -hmm. like oh my goodness this is so entirely my kind of story it was very cool um but gameplay it was mixed for me (laughs) that one okay so if if folks have listened to this series, I think what you're saying is like you will probably find something to enjoy in AI the Somnium Files. Yeah, yes, I I think so. I, it's a recommend. It's a kind of set of expectations that it's going to be very different, but mm-hmm. a recommend. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe I'll I'll check those out because I think the first one is on Game Pass. If I'm not it mistaken, it just left. It just oh, left Game it Pass. Just left. Yeah. Okay. Well, maybe someday I'll I'll, I'll end up playing it, but. Uh, I played this one on PS4. Um, I bought the bundle of the Nonary games. There's like the... No, no, I'm sorry. There's the Nonary games. It's just the first two. And then this one comes separately. I bought it on PlayStation 4 just to keep playing on PlayStation 4. Um, I like adventure games. I play a lot of them. Um, I played this game about a year ago. Um, but it's... And it's a fun thing with our show that we... 95% of the time, we have played the game within the last month before we do the podcast. Um, but the, this series is the only shows I've been involved with. Maybe Catherine is the other one that I was involved with, but the only games that I played them, you know, a little while ago, but I still remember a lot of the the big beats and I think it's worth it to dive into it because not enough people are talking about these games and I, I will still stand on my soapbox and say that they swing and they, they hit. 80 plus percent of the things that they that they go for (laughs) some of the stuff you kind of shake your head and go like "Eh, that's kind of nonsense but like i think that they take a lot of swings and they hit a lot of them yeah i I think that's kind of what you what you think too right yeah i actually think this one has like a higher percentage hit rate than the previous Mm -hmm. games even though i Mm -hmm. maybe like vlr better Mm -hmm. uh it definitely it it does stuff and it works i think like Although I think this one's polarizing uh, for a lot of fans. I think this is the most polarizing out of the bunch, uh, which will probably make sense once we talk about like what, what happens. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's actually uh, a fun fact about this game as well, is that this 
actually is quite a lot of people's first game in this series because it came to PC before the uh, bundle right. did. So like a lot of people will have started with Zero Time Dilemma uh, because it was more accessible uh, because you had to have DS back then to mm-hmm. play on the mm-hmm. others. Uh, so can you imagine this being your first game in the se- series? I absolutely cannot. I cannot. <laughs> no. no. Wild. So when I watched the trailer before I played this game, I don't know if you felt the same way, but I felt like this game, unlike the other two, had almost like more horror overtones in like the trailers. They almost tried to pivot the marketing to make it feel more like a Saw movie. Because mm-hmm. yeah. there's there's a couple of scenes in there that are very Saw-like and I was just like, what are we doing here? Like yeah. Zero Time is not a Saw movie. <laughs> yeah. it's um. I didn't watch any trailers because I was already like sold. Um, yep. But looking at screenshots and then like being told this is going to be more, maybe more murdery and like, by people that know my vibe, which is I enjoy murdery. So um, <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, I think I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> Surprising uh, though. Okay. S- bloody. More murdery. It is, it is bloody. <laughs> so before we dive in, I think the last thing that I want to cover is this game, I think, got a, a, got a graphical upgrade from even Virtue's Last Reward. Um, when you think of like um, 999 on DS especially is like, it looks so different. This is like f- mostly fully animated, mostly fully voiced, um, which when you compare it to 999, very different. Did you appreciate the kind of leap that they made here to make sure that it was more of a video game than the last games? I actually did. I was, so again, I didn't watch like a trailer, so it was like quite a surprise because like the mm-hmm. first game, all 2D, the second game had like bits of 3D models in amongst 2D type Mm -hmm. backgrounds um but this being like basically what i would say is they replaced the novel with movie (laughs) Uh, and i didn't like i didn't realize that it was gonna be like that so Mm -hmm. at first it was like oh my goodness how do i even approach this because obviously i was like speaking over it as well uh (laughs) for a let's play but like once once i was over being jarred by it i was like i love this this is great (laughs) it's a bit janky like i don't think it's the best animated yes uh, i agree <laughs> it's and like they've redesigned some of the characters a little bit so like i think they look quite different um mm-hmm. but i love it like I, I don't know i don't know how to describe that i just think it all adds into this product of charm <laughs> mm-hmm. it reminded me a lot of like those anime arena fighters just in the way that like those not gameplay wise but just the way they look because you can tell that there's production value but it's it does have that like little level of jank in it that you have to deal with in order to play it mm-hmm. it's uh definitely got some junk but if, if you can <laughs> smile at it it's all right <laughs> yeah if you if you can laugh at a character doing a dive kick across the screen onto somebody's <laughs> chest we'll get into it but yeah it's it's got it's got a little fun jank to it um where does this game start? Do you want me to start or do you want to start here? Uh, you can start if you like. Yeah. So uh, third game in the series. Uh, game starts in the desert. Nine people find themselves trapped with wristbands attached to their wrists. Uh, and they're told by a man in like literally a um, like a crow mask. Like those like witch doctor crow Plague masks. Plague doctor. Plague doctor. Thank you. That uh, they have to play a game. And the game is he's going to flip a coin and... And either uh, it's going to land on a blue side or a red side. 
If they guess right, they get to go home. If they guess wrong, they have to play a game and six people in that game are going to die. Uh, that's when we're introduced to the nine characters that are part of this game. Um, some of them might be familiar from other titles. Um, they're split up into three teams. Do you want to do you want to cover one of the teams and, and maybe I'll come in after that? Do you want to talk about Team C, Team D, Team Q? Maybe start with Carlos because he's kind of the de facto leader of this group. Okay, yeah. It's uh, right. So uh, the C team, which is Carlos is... Right, so you don't know a lot about Carlos yet. Uh, you already know the other people that are on the team. Uh, mm-hmm. At first, like... My first impression of Carlos was like, oh no, he's going to be like this horrible man boy just from his looks. <laughs> he's a hot jock. That's what I thought. Yes, he's a hot jock. Exactly. But actually, when you like get to know him, he's not that bad. He's, he's a good boy. Um, uh, like, are we going to talk about things that we learn later? Yeah, I think that as long as we don't like spoil, because what we'll try and do is if you are interested in playing this game, we're going to talk for maybe 10 or 15 minutes now, setting everything up before we start spoiling things. But I think it's fair here to say what Carlos's occupation is and then maybe not much more than that. Cool. Uh, So yeah, blonde boy, um, he is a firefighter and he... Yeah, he's just, we haven't met him in the series before. He's brand new. We don't know why he's here at this point, uh, but he's the leader mm-hmm. of the team. Um, and then we have also on this team Akane and Junpei, who you may know from prior games. Uh, these mm-hmm. are two of the ones that kind of have had a bit of a redesign. Junpei has purple hair, <laughs> mm-hmm. but I like it. I think it looks good. Um, so Akane is. Well, it's hard to kind of describe her occupation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> She's had a lot of occupations. Yeah, uh, maybe listen to prior podcasts uh, to find out Akane's occupation. Um, and Junpei is... We learn a little bit about what... It, because this game is actually one year after the previous... Not the previous game, the previous nonary game. So this is one year after 999. Um, And we learn a little bit about Junpei in between that time. He has become a detective. He has um, joined a detective academy Mm -hmm. thing and uh, in his mission to try and find Akane. And Akane, we don't really find out an awful lot about her, I don't think. Um, She's just, she's also got a different color hair. Uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) And and she's wearing like a jumper dress. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, because the the reason he did that is because she disappeared and he wanted to find her. So we don't, at the beginning of the game, know much about, like, you know, we we find out Akane dropped out of school, we joined this detective agency, but with Akane, we don't know much. Mm-hmm. So I think for now, we're going to leave it there. Mm-hmm. Uh, second team, Team D, uh, more familiar faces, or at least two familiar faces, Sigma, Klim, from the first, uh, from VLRs in this game, uh, and then Phi, who is kind of your sidekick in the in Virtue's Last Reward um, with her white hair is there. Diana is the third character and she very much reminded me um, of the uh, character... Um, oh God, what's, what's her name? The, the quiet nurse from the f- second game. Luna. Yes, she has the same disposition as Luna um, where she's maybe a little quiet, maybe a little bit reserved. Um, she's a redhead and you again don't know much about her when the game starts either yeah 
And then the final team is Q team. And this is a, this is a strange team. We don't know any of these people. Um, and these are led by a child uh, that has this big, like, astronaut circular helmet on his head. Um, uh -huh. You kind of see through it. It's just kind of there. It's just this big chunk of metal. It's like a bowling ball. It is like a ball. That's a good, yeah, it's a ball. He's got the bowling ball for a head, basically. Um <laughs> And so, obviously, we don't see his identity. We just know that he looks like a child. Um, and then we also have two new characters. We have Mira, who is the boob lady, the, <laughs> the resident boob, boob lady. lady. <laughs> um, and she... I don't think we actually learn her occupation, so I can't really nope. say that, but she is just the new girl on the block and then yep. we have eric who works in an ice cream parlor mm -hmm. eric our old eric um <laughs> <laughs> you remind me a lot of i don't know if you watch boy meets world ever but like i remember eric from boy meets world and i was like oh yes i always try and tie things back to boy meets world but uh, <laughs> that's the vibe that's the vibe he gave me oh um, i haven't seen that but that's funny He's just like the most basic white dude you could ever like. He he would be the person in the character creator that would be like be the default character. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah, and Mira, we we don't know much. Uh, all all we know is boobs and cat eyes. She has <laughs> yeah. very striking yellow eyes. <laughs> yeah. So those are your teams, and once um you go through that initial phase in the game where you either guess right or guess wrong this game is all about multiple endings um i think we are approaching the the moment where we're going to start spoiling things so i think i'm going to say now if you are interested in uh zero time dilemma you have not played it what are you doing here <laughs> uh listen to our first podcast first come back to this or finish the game watch a long play and then come back because i think it's worth your time um that's when when that decision is made you get one of two endings one ending is literally hey you you guessed it right and you get to go home so you're outside of the the facility you're in the desert and that is one of the endings in the game this game has multiple endings i would i don't think as many um as many endings as virtue's last reward mm -hmm. that like are on your save file it's going to tell you the like you basically need to get a series of endings to get the real ending I don't think there were as many as Virtue's Last Reward, no, yeah. but there were seven of them. I think so. I think seven to get to the true ending. Um, but if you guess wrong, that's really when the game like really starts. Uh, then you have to play uh, the decision game, which is a place where six characters have to die. Uh, they're in groups of three. They are in a isolated part of a of a broader facility. Um, taking down puzzles, uh, figuring out rooms, getting items, and uh, yeah, six folks have to die in order for three people to escape the X door, which is very similar to the other games where there is a door that you have to you know complete certain tasks to leave. When you activate the door, you can leave for 30 seconds, and only the people that are alive can obviously go, um, but uh, the door, once opened and closed, it never opens again. It kind of still has a bit more of an intro. Uh, we play the first game. Uh, so we kind of get introduced to the flowchart, actually. It's 
it's yep. laid out very different uh, to the tr- mm-hmm. uh, flowcharts we've seen previous. Uh, it has mm-hmm. multiple screens. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of them is just kind of like a bunch of floating thumbnails. Um, yep. And it gives you like the thumbnail as a tiny preview of what might lay beyond in this um, section. And then mm-hmm. you do have a, a proper flowchart as well. Uh, it's kind of difficult to read and understand, uh, but it may get more clear as the game goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, but to start with, uh, each team only has one thumbnail revealed because uh, mm-hmm. they all have to play the same beginning decision game, uh, which is so <sighs> they have to make a vote, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you want to take over this bit? <laughs> no, you've got it. <laughs> okay. Um they have to basically right if a team gets voted for by two other teams then that team will be executed that immediately gets rid of three players um mm-hmm. but these teams can't really communicate uh, they're all in separate areas uh, so basically they have a choice whether to vote for one of the other teams or the other of the other teams mm-hmm. um and whoever gets the most votes dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the setup. And then you play basically, you can choose which order to do them, and you choose the thing, but you also, what this is very story heavy, so like you're watching all these cutscenes, and you are watching your characters discuss what their tactic should be. Mm-hmm. And we get introduced to another character that lives in the facility, little cute little. Doggo boy called Gab. He's Gab. lovely. He's a little old man. And uh, he is a, a medical dog, so he has like a little capsule around his neck. Um, mm-hmm. And Team... Is it Team C, I think, comes up with the idea that uh, they find a pen and some paper and they write down um, a plan, which is basically trying to get each team to vote for each other so that it's a tie so no one has to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can uh, write this down, send Gab through a vent, you throw some cheese in for him, mm-hmm. and um, make your choice on your votes, basically. You play through mm-hmm. this for all three characters. You see each team receive the note, and you decide whether to follow it or not for each character. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're going to want to do all of these so that you can mm-hmm. see all of the uh, scenarios, but mm-hmm. it's kind of the thing about this game is... Um, the way that it's laid out, it's, its sections are a lot smaller than the previous games, so yes. your decisions don't last that long, if that makes sense. It also makes sense in the context of the game, um, but it makes the decisions feel less... You kind of feel less pressure um, when you're doing mm. it, because you know pretty soon you're going to be trying the other one as well, um, yep. or at least that was my experience with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's kind of the intro. You made you made the comment about like it's more linear and less linear at the same time, and I think that's what you're getting out of because of the the primary way it's laid out of just like the thumbnails for each of the three teams. It feels like you have really more choice because it's not like principally on a flowchart. But to your point, I actually think it's more guided than the previous games because yeah. they almost tell you you must. It's not every time, but like they only open up parts of the game as you go. So like at one point they'll open up three new thumbnails that give you three new story sections out of order. Um, so I think that 
you actually have less choice than before where you could follow the flow chart. You could go all the way down. Imagine you have this flow chart and it, you know, it branches out. So there's like maybe 10, there's more than that. There's like 20 big branches. You can follow a branch all the way to the bottom and then go all the way back to the beginning of the game and then follow another branch all the way back to the bottom where here it's more directed. Yeah, definitely. And it's like, there's a reason for that because the game is structured very differently to the nonary game. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the decision game, basically, it happens in phases and they have bracelets like in the previous games but mm-hmm. uh, the bracelets have the time on them and basically it happens in 90 minute chunks mm-hmm. and after 90 minutes each team gets put to sleep and they also get a memory erasing drug uh, mm-hmm. this kind of comes in with some of the like paradoxical sciencey stuff they get into later as well mm-hmm. um, but they so basically the point is every time they wake up they don't know like if they've been awake before, what they've been doing, uh, if someone's missing, where they've gone and stuff like that. Um, so that's kind of the idea of this new flowchart is that you are just jumping in the same way as they'll be feeling um, mm-hmm. that like, oh, what's happened while I've been asleep? Uh, I can't mm-hmm. remember because I had a drug. Uh, but that is something to note about the first decision game is that because everyone complies they don't forget the first game. They have to remember the mm-hmm. vote that they made and if they decided to execute anyone or not. Um, but mm-hmm. after that, there's a lot of um, forgetfulness as well. Yeah, and there's that's when it kind of really opens up. And um, I, I truly don't know where to, where to take it from here. Um, well, how because... did you play the game? Like, um, I feel like the way that it... Basically, after you've done this first game a lot of thumbnails open and you kind of you just kind of set free you you don't really get any explanation as to well you have the explanation that we've just said but Mm -hmm. no direction um and i feel like there's kind of two ways to do it you can either like jump around each team like you can be like oh i want to play this team uh let's do Mm -hmm. this thumbnail this thumbnail um or you can be a bit more structured and you can be like right i'm going to complete everything for this Mm -hmm. Uh, team and then for a different team which isn't necessarily chronological it's just um mm-hmm. for personal preference so how did you how did you approach it um i really disliked q team um <laughs> so at the start of the game i was just like i am gonna leave them to last because i know who you know akane and junpei are and there are stakes there yeah i know who sigma and klim are or sorry sigma klim and uh phi are and i like them i really like them um but i don't know or really care about eric mira or q yeah so i i left them to last yeah i, I don't know if you kind of did the same thing i did <laughs> <laughs> they're so unlikable they, yeah it's 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 quite the team <laughs> Yeah, it's, I, basically, I've heard a lot of people, whenever people have done advice about how to play the game, if anyone's Mm -hmm. asked, lots of people prefer it, uh, just picking random boxes and just going for it like that, but my Mm -hmm. brain doesn't work like that, I, like, (laughs) I prefer being, I tried to be (laughs) as organized as I could in this mess of a Mm -hmm. thing, so mm-hmm. I I did C team, then D team, then Q team as far as I could um, before mm-hmm. it opened new stuff. 
so I kind of like I went for the most like I feel like every team had a really interesting looking thumbnail to start with and they mm-hmm. always like contained weapons and stuff and I was like <laughs> I need to know why Akane has got this chainsaw uh, I need to know who she's chopping up. So I, I think that's how I started. Um, some of Those the... thumbnails are very... Most of them are super graphic. <laughs> uh, some of them are enticing. Some of them are just like not a lot to go on at all, uh, which also mm-hmm. makes it a bit enticing. Um, but it's it's a good way of like kind of letting everyone discover their story in their own way. Mm-hmm. Um what does happen when you look at the thumbnails is sometimes each team gets the same kind of scenario, but then mm-hmm. sometimes they each have their own individual one. You can kind of tell that. So what's opened up here is each team has a thumbnail that has the team surrounding a red box. Mm-hmm. Each team has a thumbnail surrounding a yellow button. And then each team has random thumbnails that are each individual games um, Mm -hmm. that that team can do. So you can even choose, would you rather do the ones that look similar between the teams? Would you Mm -hmm. rather do the unique ones first? Like, it's totally up to you. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, The yellow button one um, was the acid shower (laughs) stuff, right? Yes. So this game is way more twisted, I feel, than the other two. Um, One of the first things that I experienced in my playthrough was that yellow button section where you have the opportunity to save yourself um, by pressing a yellow button that causes other teams to be killed by an acid shower. And it's super twisted because uh, you you never see someone getting killed in this game. I mean, there are some pretty graphic parts, <laughs> but I feel like they cut away in a lot of cases. Yeah. You're, you're laughing. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. You don't like see mm-hmm. the thing hit the thing that kills them. You just see them yeah. dying. <laughs> mm-hmm. There are there are one or two cases where something happens where like, um, I know Carlos does a thing where like you, you kind of kind of see what happens. It but does for the cut most part, away a lot. Yeah, it cuts away a lot. Um, but I don't know when I, when I experienced that for the first time, I was just like, oh, this is not the same games that we're used to. (laughs) Yeah, that one is brutal. The force quit box you also mentioned. Is it kind of worth, I think it's worth kind of explaining a bit of a structure as well. So like the way that the flow chart works, there's four branches and it's not like extremely clear, but what you can eventually figure out, it was like a light bulb moment for me. I was so happy when I figured it out, was that like the left-hand branch is like the path where everyone's alive. The mm-hmm. uh, second path is where C team were executed in the first vote. The third one was D team executed. The fourth one is Q team executed. Mm. Um, so like you can kind of... What you are doing is when you choose a room, uh, it will fill in that part of the flowchart, not from the top, but from whatever part you just uh, did. Mm-hmm. So you can kind of start almost jigsawing it together if you want to. Uh, but the uh, games that each person get, like each team gets to play, are all on the left. Uh, so that's mm-hmm. kind of like the I don't want to say canon. That is not the word at yep. all. But that is like. 
that is the main route uh where there's actually the least drama if you do it well uh mm -hmm. not well but if you make uh virtuous choices um <laughs> and, but you need to complete all the other stuff to then be able to like understand and complete the left mm -hmm. side so uh the button and the box which we talked about all go on this this linear path uh so i don't know if it's I think we should talk about the button and then maybe some of the other stuff yep. and then the box after because uh, yeah. the box is late game stuff uh, but the mm -hmm. button you can do straight away straight into yep. the violence if you would like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so like you said there with with the button uh, that's something you can do immediately and uh, there are certain differences between each of the teams being like one of the teams being killed but um i think that is that is the place in from what i remember where um it's the most similar between all three stories yeah definitely. there obviously are some differences between them but i feel like that is the point where everyone's story was kind of a little bit the same it's almost like the decision between teams and using gab to murder certain teams and then the yellow button stuff and then after that that's when the story just goes wild for each individual team should we talk about what the button is yeah. Each team wakes up in the decontamination room because each section of this thing has a decontamination room. And they are talking to, well, Zero talks to them over the announcement thing and mm -hmm. says, like, uh, there's a button here. These showers are filled with acid. Um, if you press this button, then the two other teams will turn on their showers basically and um you will live uh and what he says is that everyone is doing this at the same time so first come first served if you push this button uh if you were the first to push this button you will live um so then you play this from each team's perspective they all have the mm -hmm. same argument for different reasons i guess about like whether we should press the button or not if you don't want to press it or not some of the games, if you don't want to do something, you have to wait a timer out, but I don't mm -hmm, think it is mm -hmm. in this one. I think it's nope. press or don't press. Uh, mm -hmm. So you don't actually have to wait, because sometimes that's brutal as well. Um, yeah. But um, you... And then after that, you you get some story. Uh, like, the, the teams talk to like among each other, and this is when it's mm -hmm. drip-feeding and you backstories and side stories and all of that stuff. Um... And yeah, you make this again. You're gonna to want to do both decisions for every team. Uh, but then, uh, when you do make the decision, if you do press the button, uh, it's pretty. It's it's pretty grim. It, it's this is a acid that melts metal and plastic and all sorts of uh, thingies, and yep. you get to see the aftermath, which mm -hmm. is just blood. Just like only a, blood. It's just a, a blob of of. <laughs> Of, <laughs> of remains <laughs> of flesh and bone and blood G that remains goo old human goo only human <laughs> it's it's disgusting <laughs> it's yeah it, it's 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 pretty disgusting um yeah. after that each of the individual stories kind of take turns um from here i was thinking that we talk through like whatever story comes to mind or whatever section of the story that was impactful that we remember. 
um, before we talk about like the the trendings. Does that make sense to you? Yeah, definitely. Uh, is there a particular story thread that you want to pull on first? So I have like my favorites, but they are okay. like a little bit later. So okay. I think it's better to do some smaller stuff first. Uh, one okay. of them though is the chainsaw. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. do like that one. Right. Uh, I guess it's worth. I don't think we've said actually that like. So each of these other thumbnails are like their escape rooms, kind of like mm-hmm. in the previous game. So you will be mm-hmm. looking around the room, like solving puzzles, collecting items, using them on other items. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more in the style of VLR, which means like you do the puzzle without being stopped in the middle for a lot of exposition. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And I, I like these. I think these are good. Um, I didn't get as stuck on these ones as I did in VLR. Um, I found them more intuitive and also a lot of the things in the in these rooms then correspond to story stuff outside of it which is cool mm-hmm. um, so in oh yeah and then after you've done these like after you've solved the puzzle you get like the uh, you found it or whatever it would say yep. Um, yep. and then you often end up presented with some sort of decision uh, and that's where your branches happen again. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. disasters. Sometimes it's not even a decision. Sometimes it's just a thing you have to do. Uh, mm-hmm. And it varies, but it's always cool. And there's always um, more story told then as well. So the chainsaw. What happens in the chain? I just <laughs> It's very visual. Isn't that when you find Junpei's head on a shelf? In, a, in a freezer? So in the room that you're doing, like... The puzzle room has these body parts around that, like you're like, oh, surely they're plastic. Um, <laughs> but then once you've solved the room, you unlock the door to a freezer, and like the camera like pans around, and you just see this head, and it's jumpy, and you're like, oh no, uh, I can't use this, and uh, freaks out a little bit. And uh, so this is Team C, and Carlos and Akane are the two. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously they woke up, they've done this puzzle, they don't know what happened. Why is Junpei chopped to pieces? And <laughs> there happens to be like an axe and a chainsaw <laughs> lying around. And uh, things escalate. It's like they're trying to figure out who done it, basically. And like neither mm-hmm. of them think they would have done it. And then Akane just cannot cope with the fact that Junpei has died. She just goes a little bit crazy. She has a chainsaw. Um mm-hmm. And uh, she runs. She actually runs away and turns the lights out, uh, which is a strange tactic for a chainsaw. <laughs> um, stealth chainsaw. And you are always playing as a team leader, basically, when you're making decisions. Mm-hmm. So you are Carlos, and uh, you have to make the decision. Uh, the question is, who killed Junpei? And you have two options, Akane or Carlos, because that's the only two that could have mm-hmm. done it. And now you get different endings for both of those. <laughs> They're both very bloody. Um, yeah. <laughs> one of them, if you say it was Carlos, he's like, Akane, stay away from me. I can't control myself. I killed Junpei and I didn't mean to do it. And uh, he takes his axe and he like cuts it into his own neck <laughs> and dies. Um, yeah, that's the thing I mentioned earlier that I, I don't think cut away as much as like, that's something I remember not cutting away. Um, maybe actually he put it up to his neck and then he started to move and then it cut away and then it showed like blood on the floor with his neck leaking. 
they do have this good habit of cutting away and then the blood like shoots onto the screen. It's like some yep. sort of uh, like old horror film. It's really funny. Um, and in the other scenario, uh, Akane, you can choose that it was Akane that killed uh, Junpei and she will like mm-hmm. attack Carlos. And I think it's quite self-defense when he stabs her in mm-hmm. the neck with the axe. Um, mm-hmm. She manages to chop his hand off and he manages to cut her neck she dies and mm-hmm. this one actually locks you kind of get booted out because there's, there's still more to come uh but this game has locks like the previous games so if you don't have the information you can't continue the story mm-hmm. that was like that was my intro into the free uh <laughs> the free allowance stuff and i was like mm-hmm. yeah boy <laughs> it's good <laughs> One of the things that shocked me in the last episode was the Sigma Arms thing. Um, mm. I remember the the cage, the Sigma cage um, shot in the trailer and in some of the key art. Um, so I was just going to talk about that briefly, if, if that's okay with mm. you. Do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so with that one, you are faced with a very strange puzzle. Um, Phi gets stuck in an incinerator. And Sigma has to essentially put himself in a what looks like kind of like an electric chair. Um, but essentially you have to play Russian roulette. You're, um, you know, uh, you're caught in a scenario where you have to shoot Sigma in the head with a revolver, which has six uh, chambers in it. And out of that six chambers, um, some are empty, some have bullets in them. Uh, if you end up shooting Sigma in the head with a bullet, um, that's when Phi gets to be released from the incinerator. Re- on kind of the other end, when you shoot a blank out of the revolver, um, sure, it's going to probably deafen Sigma in his <laughs> ear because he's still hearing a bullet in his ear, um, but uh, Phi dies. And that was really the first... We haven't talked about the morphogenetic field at all, um, but that was, the I think, the thing that I remember most uh, because it immediately leads to... Um, something that is that happens at the end of Virtue's Last Reward, which is the kind of arms picture. So Sigma in that game, um, one thing we haven't said is that we haven't explained the morphogenetic morphogenetic field, but just because you probably listen to other podcasts or you played the game, you know that in this series there's something called the morphogenetic field where folks can essentially move their consciousnesses between different timelines. Um can move themselves between different timelines sigma essentially in the one of the final timelines actually in the final timeline of virtue's last reward he jumps into a version of his body where he is missing an eye where he's wearing an eye patch and he's missing two of his arms in the robotic arms um soon after that section um you essentially um i don't remember which choice leads to what but right after that section you are um essentially there's a bomb that is going to go off in the facility soon after that kind of shooting scenario. And Sigma decides to try and save everyone like the big hero that he is and uh, ends up blowing off his arms and, and one of his eyes. I skipped over a whole bunch there, but um, <laughs> I felt like that was something that even now I still kind of remember. Yeah. It's, um, it's also fresh because I've like literally just watched another playthrough, but mm-hmm. um. The gun room and the bomb room are two separate ones. So, mm-hmm. um, like, the gun thing happens uh, 
in a different timeline to the mm-hmm. the arm thing, the bomb thing, uh, and you kind of you get a bit of a cliffhanger with the bomb thing. It doesn't let you see that until you've done a lot of other stuff. But that mm-hmm. is like one of my favorite moments, like um, because the bomb goes off and like you think that he is um, probably died because it blows the two girls away. They are just mm-hmm. like blown off their feet. You're like, oh, he's probably died. And then, like, the camera just pans up from his feet, and you're like, oh, he survived. And it just shows you these <laughs> two, like, bloody stumps. And he's got this, like, hunk of glass, like, out of his eye. And I was like, this is the one. This is, oh my goodness, I know this. <laughs> it's the loop. It's happening. But then it's kind of like, oh no, this is the one that we were trying not to do. <laughs> uh, but that is, like, one of my standout moments in the entire game. I love that section. Yeah. Um, there's, I think, only one section that stands out more. Uh, and I don't think we can talk about it just yet. Oh. Curious. I mean, you you know you know the thing. Okay. In one of the... Um, in one of the timelines, or one of the sections of the timeline, um, you end up um, discovering in this facility that there is a quantum computer so you are um q (laughs) q mira and eric (laughs) um and so uh you soon discover that there's this enormous computer inside of the facility that um quantum in my mind means like is is all about oh my god i was gonna say the fourth dimension but it's not the fourth dimension um it's just a really powerful computer and uh this ties in a little bit to the the box that we talked about earlier the force quit box um but essentially this quantum computer is controlling everything in the facility and in this quantum computer section that's when you discover that one of the characters kind of like the last game is not exactly what you thought he was and that was the that was Q the small boy um, he's not a small boy. Uh, he is a small robot. <laughs> I, I had to, I didn't know how else to do that. Uh, and you discover that because he essentially, you think he's got a head and on the side of the head, there's this keypad that comes up and the thought is, Oh, if I input the right code, um, then I'll be able to take off this helmet and like have my real head be in the world again. Through jumping in some of the timelines, Zero ends up giving you the code that helps you unlock your head, and it's in this computer room in one of the timelines, probably one of the, f- the closer to the end timelines, where you are able to punch the code into your head to then discover that your this this mask or this bowling ball on your head is not a mask, it is your head, uh, and that you are a, a robot, a robot child. <laughs> It's another one of those images that proper stands out because he doesn't just like take the helmet off. He like puts the code in and just lets it fall off and then it pans up from the feet again and you're like, yep. what's his face going to look like? Mm-hmm. And like, there is no face. <laughs> his head just ends at the top of his neck. Yep. It's mm-hmm. just a, a shocking image uh, that yep. I also was like, whoa. <laughs> and that's when you discover that there are tons of other of these like robot kids and that, you know, someone has to be resetting the games and, you know, moving the players when they're passed out, etc. Or just, like, moving the facility between, like, between rounds. And you discover that they're just, like, a bunch of children, but they're just, like, child robots in the same model as Q. 
Do I even call him Q here? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I'll just call him Q and then we'll we'll talk about the Q thing. Yeah. Later, I'm okay. Sure. Okay. It's it's curious. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. And the thing is, he Q can never remember his past. Like yes. he's a ch- he's clearly a child. He can't remember his past. Uh, and there's there's a reason for that because it's been erased from his memory. He's a computer. Yeah. So we know who Q is now. Um, we've talked about Junpei and Akane and their connection. Um, we kind of know who Sigma Klim is and who Phi is. Should we talk here about Eric, Mira, mm-hmm. Carlos, or Diana? I think we should do Eric and Mira. Yeah. Finish mm-hmm. off the Q team. Yep. Uh, Eric is in love with Mira because she has boobs. Thank you. <laughs> Eric is a troubled boy. And, he is. Uh, he, oh, he's a very troubled boy. But he also, he is very in love with Mira. Mm-hmm. Um, Disgustingly so. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, so here's something you need to know about Eric. Eric is okay. the worst. Eric is just the worst person in the history of anything. He's worse than <laughs> any person. Why do you say that? Did you not hate him? He's I so look. Horrible. I hated him, but only because he's like an he's a, an NPC. He's like he's got no personality beyond like he's like the. Do you watch anime at all? I don't. Okay, he just reminds me of like the annoying sidekick in like every anime. <laughs> um, he's got no personality. All we know about him is he's like hopelessly in love. Uh, he dresses like a basic bitch and he works <laughs> at an ice cream shop. That's all we know about him. We, we do learn a little bit more about like why he is the way that he is, but it does yep. not excuse his personality. He's like, mm-hmm. he's, he's like an angry child. Uh, he is yeah. really horrible to, to Q. Uh, mm-hmm. And he like, he's just like, he gets angry and he shouts all the time. I hate him. He's just, oh, he lives in his, his own little made up world kind of with he did Mira. have a terrible childhood though he had that, a terrible that's the thing childhood. we find out we yeah. we we learned that um for two different cutscenes, we we learned that first of all that his mother was like very she was always encouraging him to smile through life um mm-hmm. and then she died and his dad took over looking after him his dad mm-hmm. was was an absolute, alcoholic yeah terrible just, horrible person uh abusive abusive mm-hmm. to him and his brother and then later on we find out that uh his dad actually through his abuse like killed his brother mm-hmm. and eric had to dispose of the body in a lake uh he has mm-hmm. like some severe trauma from that he mm-hmm. throughout the game he keeps having these like panic attacks um when he's in too much stress and it's dreadful but he's still <laughs> I, I just remember so his like his breakdown where he just like is going through that like brought his brother's corpse to the lake um like breakdown where he's like telling him his daddy he made him do it yeah and that um that his mom's like keep smiling comes out in this like traumatic breakdown and it's just like look you feel really eric is an npc um but also he's he's got a really tragic past that like you can't help but feel you feel bad for him. You do, but you still hate him at the same time. <laughs> you do, you do, you do. And oh. he's just like hopelessly in love with Mira um, because she came by his ice cream shop one day and like he was just enamored by her. 
and that 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 chance encounter at the ice cream that chance encounter at the ice cream shop um, was one that just like he remembered and he's like I need to be with this woman and correct me if I'm wrong here he just joined this experiment each character had their own motivation for joining the experiment his motivation was but Mira's here so I need to join it that sounds about right <laughs> yeah. yeah he's awful he's awful yeah he um yeah he considers her an angel which uh yep I don't know how true that is. <laughs> uh, we find out not true at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to talk about Mira? And I, I don't know again how much you wanna you wanna dive in here. I don't know how's the best place to start with her. Do we? I mean, we could talk about kind of who she is. She seems like a lot. She almost like is the other big boob girls in the like in the series where she's you know obviously beautiful. And some would say vivacious, but like they operate based on logic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's just kind of quite neutral, always there, mm-hmm. just like not, she doesn't say a lot, really. Uh, she mm-hmm. doesn't, and uh, I guess as you go on, you don't really get to know a lot about her until a certain moment. Um, mm-hmm. And then you get to know everything about her. Uh, and that is in one of the games. Uh you end up uh, kind of you end up in a scenario where five people have died and there's only one person left to die before you can get out and so you've just done a puzzle room that had weapons in it and so naturally the entire team just picks up a weapon and like starts this Mexican standoff they're all pointing weapons at each other this Mm -hmm. is Eric Mira and Q and Mm -hmm. um I think Mira is actually pointing her weapon at Eric. <laughs> um, so, like, you kind of led to believe that this couple... And he's like, why me? <laughs> uh, and yeah, it's he, he's just, again, hopeless about that. And then <laughs> in this scenario, you have the choice of who you want to shoot. Because uh, the card is given, it says, like, kill one, right? Like, that's... It's like, there's five people dead, there's three weapons, and because... Zero, the second, yeah. who we know, basically knows, he knows what's going to happen in each timeline through, for, for reasons. Um, he knew that there would be five people alive and that only one people person would need to be killed. And so gives everyone weapons, a crossbow for, uh, a crossbow for Eric. No, a crossbow Q, for Q, yeah. a shotgun for Eric and a handgun for for Mira, and basically one person has to die. And depending on which timeline you're on, uh, no, you're always choosing. Like you're always from Q's perspective, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah and you like you have free reign. It's a keyboard, so you can type in whatever name you want to type. Um, it's actually uh, more options than you would think for this one, uh, mm-hmm. but that's something you have to come back to later. Um, and if you choose. Uh, to kill Eric, which is probably what most people are going to do first, right? That's what I did anyway. Uh, You fire your crossbow into his shoulder and, um, like, to kill him, basically. Mm -hmm. You're a little bit shocked that you've done it because you're just a little child, child Mm -hmm. robot with child robot emotions. (laughs) And um, Mira, like, looks down at him and she's she's still got a gun and she's like, she starts talking weird to him. And um, she's like, I'm going to kill you now. Do you have any final words? And he's like, you look so much better when you smile or something like that. And she just, as he's talking, shoots him point blank in the head. 
And it's mm-hmm. like, whoa, Mira, like, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you, like, I guess you can kind of wonder, is this because he's, like, a creep? Uh, mm-hmm. But then she she pulls out the uh, arrow from his shoulder. Wild. <laughs> and she starts, like, digging it down his chest and uh, opening his chest up a little bit and starts calmly, ever so calmly, telling Q about her backstory and uh she is she's a person that cannot feel emotions uh and as a child her mother always told her like you feel your deepest feelings in your heart this thing in your chest uh Mm -hmm. she can never understand it but she always desired it so Mm -hmm. uh we discover through this flashback that um mira is an absolutely psychopathic serial killer that steals people's hearts and, um, she's Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, she is. Oh, she. Yeah, it's it's a thing. She's telling you this while she's just like covered in Eric's blood, um, and she's killed many people before. And she's really excited to take Eric's heart because she she wants to feel love, and he's in love with her. So um, this is a good one. She can feel it. And then after that, I believe like. Things just go casual and you end up talking about escaping or something with her. It's so bizarre. But um, that's Mira's story. She is... We've heard this heart killer alluded to in Zero's mm-hmm. stories in the past. We mm-hmm. haven't touched upon that. But um, he tells There's you like a story. There's like a story that's in pieces. Go yeah. ahead, sorry. Oh, it's okay. Um, He kind of tells you it in chunks. So like he'll tell mm-hmm. you the start of it at the start. And then in a another snail. encounter... Yeah, the snail... Uh, it's the snail effect. He mm-hmm. um, <laughs> tells you another little chunk of it later on. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it kind of extends into this huge butterfly effect uh, that actually results in um, giving you a little bit more backstory about one of Zero's motivations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you get to... Again, it's this like snail walks in front like like snails out into a path or something and it, it basically goes from like snail to a runner and like that runner decides to take a different path that day because she took a different path that day she was killed and then there's just like like you said this butterfly effect of things that happen afterwards that um almost affects almost everyone in the story yeah. at first i was just like what is this snail story <laughs> Why is why does he keep talking about this snail and a a person in a cab who got in an accident <laughs> and a surgeon and it's it's not something I don't think we'll talk about right now but it is something that at the end like all the all the pieces click into place yeah. and you're like oh that's why we've been telling this story that is seemingly like nonsensical but actually like ties ties everyone almost everyone together here yeah i love this because i love the butterfly effect as well um Mm -hmm. so it's a very like cool thing to me Mm -hmm. uh but yeah we find out basically that me mira's place in that story is like the the lady that got killed because she took a different path because of the um snail was killed by mira on that path uh if the snail hadn't have been there uh, she wouldn't have took that path. She wouldn't have got killed by Mira, uh, setting off this chain of events. Mm-hmm. Um, Did we say who that person was? 
Yeah. It's Eric's it's Eric's mother. Yeah, yeah, we've talked about yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it yeah. turns out because she gets uh quite excited because uh the final words of Eric are the same final words as a first kill, and that's because it was his mother. <laughs> it's so dramatic and good. Very dramatic. <laughs> uh Okay, so that's that is that's Mira Q-team. Eric. That's Q team. Uh, before we dive in and talk about one of the alternate timelines in that standoff, um, we haven't talked about Carlos or Diana. Carlos, we find out is a firefighter, uh, and he had a really, again, his past is is rough, but different than Eric's rough. Yeah. Um, in that he had a sister. Um, there was a fire that killed uh there was an arsonist actually that um set carlos's house on fire and carlos's parents were lost in that fire but he went into that fire to save his sister maria uh she survived but like went into a coma soon afterwards and um she wasn't doing well they thought it was carbon monoxide poisoning it actually was something new to this game called reverie syndrome which is just like you kind of operate in a dreamlike state a lot of the time. Is that a is that a fair way to describe reverie syndrome? I think so. It's I don't particularly understand exactly what it is, uh, mm-hmm. but we know it's kind of linked to morphogenetic field stuff, mm-hmm. uh, basically. Yep. But it's it's a new disease within the the world of the game as well. Uh, they don't know a lot about it. Yeah, I, I wrote down reverie syndrome, also known as daydream syndrome, is an incurable illness from zero time. Uh, dilemma that results in patients experiencing life in a dreamlike state of mind hence the name there we go um because of that um carlos like becomes a firefighter uh while visiting his sister like every single day with her terrible memory and the reason he's in the zero uh, the the zero escape game or the escape game here is because he needed uh like a lot of money to be able to put his sister through treatments for her condition and that's the only reason that he's here yeah we we forgot to mention actually that the people here all know each other because they have been uh spending time in this experiment yes. prior to this that's where he was mm-hmm. getting the money from mm-hmm. uh which is something we, we we kind of know about from virtue's last reward already is mm-hmm. that there was um an experiment a social experiment about what life would be like in mars basically these People all signed up to mm-hmm. live together in isolated conditions um, mm-hmm. to simulate Mars life, uh, and that's they all know each other, and they ended up like basically, I guess, falling asleep there and waking up in this game. So, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's definitely to note. Yeah, um, and that there may be an organization from the first games, or at least Virtue's Last Reward, I guess nine 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 two, that's involved in that. Which I don't think we're ready to talk about free the soul yet. Yeah. Uh, the last person is Diana. Diana. We know we know not a lot about Diana. Yet. <laughs> yet. Uh, do we talk about Diana now or no? I think so. Do we go like okay. right into it all? I I, th- I, I basically I we're at the fine. point now where like everything is about to unfurl. Yeah. And I guess we just have to decide what element we want to start. Do we? Here's an idea. Do we start about the tra- talk about the transporters that they discover in the facility? Yeah, yeah, I think that's good. Okay. Um. So 
a really important obviously these games are about time travel and about you know more using the morphogenetic fields to transfer your consciousness between different like timelines iterations of yourself the one thing that really like throws a wrench in and that i think was the thing in this game that I shook my head at the most because it felt super forced. Right. But in the facility, they they find these transporter pods. And I guess Germans discovered them in 1888. They they help transport things in time and space, uh, but they're also alien in nature. They take a whole bunch of energy to use, but essentially, once every 10 months, you can use these devices to transport matter actually not transport copy matter from one timeline to the other it's they explain it like a fax machine where like you put in one item you can even put humans in them what there's you know two um two like pods that you go into and two pods that you come out of um but essentially you can put things or even humans one human per pod in these like transporters and then decide exactly what timeline you want these you know people to be copied into these become a pivotal moment and they're almost like the MacGuffin that helps tie together the loose ends that can't be tied together otherwise yeah do you think that they had this plan from the start because this felt like the only thing where I'm like you needed a, a device to make this game to finish this game off and i think these transporter pods were that that's a good question it's i think they i don't think there's a way that they could actually tie it together without it so Mm -hmm. and i'm glad it's there because it it makes it more uh like windy uh (laughs) if that makes sense like it it kind of one of the routes that happens like actually the vlr ending that we talked about uh threw me off because of reasons that can be solved by this. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of glad that I got to have these questions, although it is, it is a very convenient uh, device. I feel like they wrote 999 and then the game was unexpectedly successful. And then they went, Oh, I guess we got to And it feels to me like these, the two next games, VLR and this game were written together, but there is this like transporter pod thing that is like, the thing that saves every loose end that helps you tie up every loose end (laughs) it's um i believe that this game like nearly didn't get made like it was really close to just not getting made at all yep uh so i don't know like exactly how far they planned out but um i think uh, i do uh, what i like about this transporter pod thing is i feel like it brings another kind of dimension to some of the drama as well because it's yep. not a teleporter if it was a mm-hmm. teleporter i'd be like oh but because yep. the person isn't going uh it's just a copy it brings this whole like sci-fi that like i love that trope uh, mm-hmm. so like for me it works really well but uh i understand that it definitely feels like because basically they explain it's not made through any technology that we could have ever made, it is alien, um, mm-hmm. basically, and that feels a bit out of the blue. But also, mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point, it's like all of this other stuff's happened. Why Everyone's wouldn't there be psychic. alien? <laughs> right. So I, I, I guess maybe I'm just putting too much stock in like the fact that 
this stuff is alien versus like every other weird thing in this game just being like <laughs> mental powers. So that's that's a great point that you bring up. Um, these transporters come into play, um, I think, in one major way. They come into play in other ways, but I think the major way they come into play is what happens between um, Diana, Diana and Sigma. Yeah. So Sigma, we know from the last game, is a 22-year-old man who actually has the mind of a 77-year-old because of all the time jumping that's happened. Um, in one of the timelines, um, one party escapes the facility, and because of that, Sigma and Phi cannot escape. They're stuck in that facility forever. Their food is quite limited. This um, is the, the timeline that you were talking about, um, where Phi gets incinerated, so, yes. Thank uh, you. but they don't know she's being incinerated. So it's just Sigma and Diana that's left together without. Mm-hmm. Well, they do know once they get told that she's dead. Mm-hmm. But um, this is following on from the one that that you saw earlier. And the thing that happens in this and some of the other, like as we start to get to the closer to the end of the game, um, you start getting flashes because obviously, as the protagonist, you know every timeline that you've played through, but the characters don't necessarily know information from other timelines that may be important. But because people's like connection to the morphogenetic field starts increasing, they start seeing flashes of what happens in other timelines. So, you know, Diana and Sigma um, start to get flashes of exactly what you had said of, you know, Phi got incinerated, um, you know, why do we feel like we have some sort of connection to each other, but we can't figure out why, um, that brings them, I'm, I'm, I'm skipping over some important details, so please help me fill it in, but that's when someone escapes, they're stuck, their food is limited, they're together, just the two of them, that's when they start to rekindle, you know, their relationship, and, uh, do something that I never thought I'd see in a Zero Escape game. <laughs> What's that? having sex <laughs> <laughs> the horizontal tango yeah no. the horizontal the horizontal <laughs> honestly it was the because I, I rewatched some of those scenes and there was a scene where like one hand grips the other hand in yeah. like very soap opera fashion and i was just like what are we this is hilarious also what are we doing here yeah i also found that really funny because it was like quite an artsy shot and i was yes. like this is quite funny but it did come after like a quite emotional scene of like we're kind of seeing them losing hope about rescue and food well they've still got food for now but they know it's limited and uh they've already they've already used the transporter once to transport themselves out but obviously Mm -hmm. they didn't they still had to stay behind yeah that just means there's another version of them that uh, is in a timeline that they may not have already been into which you also get to play that too um in this timeline, uh, they are just kind of losing hope and Diana's very stressed and she's like, comfort me. And he's like, no. And then he's like, okay then. <laughs> and then uh, they get it on. In the they pod. They get it on in the pod and uh, something that's one in a million. Um, she gets pregnant. <laughs> one in a million? Why is it one in a million? I mean, just like think I- I'm. I was more making like a joke about like how there's so many timelines here, but also <laughs> that like, what are the chances that the first time that they do the horizontal tango, as you say, 
um, she gets pregnant and she also gets pregnant with twins. It's twins. It, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's twins, Basil. They also had like nine months of food or something. So it was like yeah. ideal and they needed to wait the 10 months for the uh, thingy to come back. So mm-hmm. uh, they, they timed it all right. <laughs> the one time they did the horizontal tango they timed it perfectly <laughs> and um we kind of it then skips to the birth uh mm-hmm. they're like it's a boy and then they're like hold on a second uh and then another one pops out and it's a girl and um then it skips to them holding the babies and uh, apologizing to gab that they've run out of food um poor gab and- <laughs> yeah they're like sorry that's the last biscuit and um it's it's the end of the line sort of for this timeline and they have an idea because the transporter has fully recharged in this time and uh so they put you're only allowed to put one as you said one human mm-hmm. per pod uh, regardless of if they're a little baby so they put the babies in the pods and uh send them Away, so they get a chance of life as well. Uh, they name them also. Uh, do you want to? Yeah, so they, they name um, the male baby Delta um, because of Sigma's kind of Greek letter name. Uh, they decided to keep that going with the, with the baby uh, and name the child Delta and left each child with a memento. Um, the memento... And then there's what's the memento again for the boy? Uh, the bluebird in the cage. It's the one that um, Luna was in VLR. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there's a, a a female baby, and that female baby, again, we're keeping with the Greek lettering system here, uh, is named Phi. Named Phi after their good friend Phi. After the which, <laughs> after everything that's been said in these games, Sigma has made comments about Phi's boobs in these games. <laughs> Just like is kind of gross. I mean, I get it, but like, of course, the Japanese games make child boob comments gross. Yeah, they do. <laughs> there was less of that in this game, like yeah, which I always happy about. But yeah. um, I do remember a part where like Phi was like, "I have D cups." <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that Cringe. was like the one. I think I can't yeah. rem- really remember any others, but she all- that was Sigma that she was talking to. So yeah, her father. <laughs> uh, so they they send the the babies back um, to nineteen or four, and then I think we don't see any more of that timeline. But there's also no food left, so we can assume they all starved together. Mm-hmm. Uh, and died. The thing, then you're probably wondering, like, why is Phi not 100 plus if she was sent back to 1908? My understanding from what I remember is that there was, Phi was sent back to 1908, but then another version of Phi was sent to 2000, like the 2000s. Yeah. And Phi that went back to 1908 was actually the guardian for Phi born like much later, right? Yeah. So like uh, powered people seem to live a lot longer and yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they have extended lifespan. And uh, basically what I think happened is like once the transport, because uh, the transport was in German hands at that time, 
scientists and once the transporter recharged they sent baby fly back into it into the future and yeah the the version of her that the that version that was in that was a child in 1904 or whatever like lived up uh until she was re like <laughs> remade uh so she could adopt herself and mm-hmm. take care of her because Fai's alluded to her parents being unknown or dead and mm-hmm. she was raised by an old couple uh and it tells you in the files of the game that um the 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 woman is is old Fai, which i think is cool actually <laughs> yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of wild and wacky yeah it's like absolutely trippy but it's very mm-hmm. cool um, yeah. I think we have to talk. So we we talked about Phi, but what about Delta? What about Delta? This is the coolest part of this whole game, I think. Okay, I think you should tell it. Okay, um, we're gonna go back to the thing that we talked about earlier. There's a confrontation between Eric, um, Q, and Mira where they're all, they all in that timeline have to kill one person, be able to escape. They all have guns, they all have weapons. And you're essentially given a a text prompt that as Q, you say who, who should die. So you can, you can type in a bunch of things. You can type like it's free text. So you can type in Mira, you can type in uh, Eric, you can type in Q, um, but you can also type in other things. Uh, (sighs) You can you can't type in yourself um, because you're not gonna kill yourself. But I think before we talk about the, the the standoff and the other options that you can choose when people are around, there's a very important piece of information that you need to be able to type in the right name, right? The big reveal of the whole thing uh, is down the path of we just talked about what happens to the Diana and Sigma that got left behind in the mm-hmm. transporter, mm-hmm. but the ones that actually. Um, got transported they ended up transported into a different timeline which actually turns out to be the timeline where they got executed in the first decision so Mm -hmm. uh obviously they shouldn't be there they find a door um and they manage to get into uh q's section uh and they come across the pod room which is one of the um escape rooms that you do and they open Mm -hmm. up a pod and like they find a dead body who is Mira, and then they open up another pod and they find Junpei's body parts. And uh, at some point in this interaction, Eric and Q also show up. Mm-hmm. And um, Eric sees that Mira's dead, goes absolutely mental, and starts like accusing everybody. Uh, Carlos also shows up, um, mm-hmm. and they have been shown a video of him killing Akane because that's what timeline we're in mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. so even though like it that wasn't as it seemed that looked like murder like cold blood murder but it wasn't uh so all of these people are gathered together with like all of this stress and dead bodies and everything uh half of them shouldn't even be there and then um Eric's gone crazy because he's got a shotgun he's pointing it around and he's like asking everyone who killed who killed Mira and um, eventually Q starts talking, our little robot friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, I, you get the option, actually, to type in names, uh, I think. 
at this point and no you don't you get the option to put the cord in his helmet i think mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. um so you'll q basically says this might explain something while well, he's got a shotgun pointed at him puts the yep. cord in his helmet oh, he says like it can't be me because oh, he punches right. the code in his head rolls off and then he also cuts because there was red blood everywhere and he cuts his hand open and there's that's white right. blood almost yeah. like sigma in the in the second game so he's like it cannot be me because i am robot that is right exactly um because mira had red blood in her fingernails because she'd scratched someone yeah uh, so he's like it can't be me uh and then helmet comes off and then like you just start well little boy starts explaining everything um and he just goes he's like um i can't remember exactly the phrasing but he kind of goes it must have been you <laughs> and then points to a camera and uh, everybody looks at the camera and it's like, what? You're like, hold on, <laughs> what? Yep. And, and then and then that's when you realize that. Um, and th- th- there's actually great documents online about every place where it was teased. Um, but even when you think about this game versus the other games, you know, we had the first two games that were the Nonary games. Nonary is nine. Um, this game is the decision game. Uh, Desi means ten. Uh, so you actually find out that there are not, you know, nine players. There are actually 10 players, uh, including this man in a wheelchair who up to this point has been supposedly mute and has not said a single thing. So really you're not, you're not just like a disjointed camera following the action, seeing what the captains had said. You are actually playing as a 10th player who is actually Q. Yeah. The thing that, the, because at, at different points in the game, people are talking about Q, but you don't notice it, but the way that it's actually being said is they're talking about Q, but they're not talking to the little boy. They're essentially talking about another person in on Q team who is just sitting there in a wheelchair who is mute. Yeah, exactly. Wild. It. I've got to be honest, right? When this happened, I was so confused. Like, it wasn't a light bulb for me. It was what? <laughs> because yeah. what I thought was happening. So when he points at the camera, he's like, you. And then um, the camera goes up because he's standing up. Um, and then it turns around and it shows you this um, elderly man. He's like very tall and slim. And he's got like really pale skin. And he's got these funky glasses on. And um, it shows you that. Now, my mind, Gab was also there <laughs> in this moment. So I thought that uh, Q was pointing at Gab. <laughs> and I thought Gab was transforming into a person. And I was like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't understand what had happened at all. And it never occurred to me that that he'd been here the whole time. So then my next theory was, I thought he was like Schrodinger's man and that he was only there because we'd acknowledged that he was there <laughs> and i had a severe case of like overthinking pseudoscience stuff and i was like i finished this game without knowing that he was there the whole time because i didn't understand <laughs> so the first time you played through it you didn't understand who that man was mm-hmm. i just thought he was an invisible man even when you got to the end end or just when you got through that ending? I got 
the point that he was um, a twin. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. spoiled that, but I got that point. Yeah. Uh, but I did not like understand that he had been there in the Q team the entire time. The whole thing that you're talking about that like they've alluded to it, but uh, I never got it. <laughs> To be honest with you, the thing that I didn't get, and I, I was actually telling you this before we started recording, um, I didn't understand all the symbols that led to, like, hey, there are actually... Because they foreshadowed that there are 10 players throughout the entire game. At one point, there's a Monty's Hall game where there's, like, one snorkel or one gas mask inside mm-hmm. of 10 lockers. Um, the, you know, the decision game versus the nonary game that they never said nonary. It was always decision. Uh, known as 9, Desi is 10. Uh, even that um, X passes, X is 10 in Roman numerals, uh, 90 minute intervals, uh, 9 times 10. Uh, There's just like a lot of foreshadowing that I just didn't see. So you go back then, now that you know that there's someone else in the room, you know they're a twin, you go back to the Mexican standoff where instead of punching in like Mira or Eric, um, you punch in Delta and... I'm again we're 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 flying through this but that's when you discover that um through that like deduction and that confirmation that the person in the wheelchair is the son the twin son of Sigma and Diana who had been sent back to the past he is 124 years old and he is a mastermind behind this whole thing yeah I skipped through a lot, but I just felt like no, there was no think, other way to. to I think do that's it. the gist. I do think that's yeah. the gist. Like you, you get told a lot of it by him explaining, um, and you summed it up really well. Um, there's also uh, espers uh, are people that can like communicate with the morphogenetic field, and there's other people that can like receive. Like some people can talk to it. And other people can receive and hear information from the morphogenetic field. We find out there's a third set of powers. Um, they're called mind hackers or people that can compel uh, you to do things against your will. And that's why at certain points in the game, characters have done things incredibly out of character. A lot of the time it's killing someone else without like... I, I know Eric at one point shot someone uh, in one of the timelines and was like, I didn't mean to do that like the it just kind of happened that's because q delta who had been sitting there the whole time had the ability to make people do things against their will so that explained a lot of the like weird you know out of character killings that happened in many of the timelines yeah i love the way they do it because it really gets your mind going i thought they were going all meta and i thought they were going to blame us like as the player for making the decisions Yep. But I never saw it coming that there was another character there the whole time that we just never saw on screen. That, mm-hmm. like, technically you can piece together that he's there based on the information that you've got. You just don't, mm-hmm. you don't think about it because it's it's not being a thing. But yep. on a second but- watch, it's really cool pointing out all of the the clues that are there. Was were there any that you were like, oh, now I know that clue is there? There's the one. And- where um, in one of the timelines, uh, Q team are about to leave the um, facility because mm-hmm. uh, they've got all the six X passes and Gab is like chained to a pole and um, they go in and they're trying to like get the chain off and stuff. Uh, but then 
what it doesn't show you is, and it's really framed as if they're talking to the dog and they want to save the dog, but actually the chain like extends off screen as well, and it's because uh, the wheelchair must be chained to the chain as well, and they're like, I don't want to leave him behind and stuff, um, and it's not the dog that they're actually like, and Q ends up staying behind because it's like, I can't leave him and steps off the list, the mm. lift, and I was like, oh, it's for the dog, but actually on a second playthrough, it's not this, like, he's just off screen. You can often, mm-hmm. like, see a shadow. If you yep. look at the frames, there's often a shadow of the chair and stuff. Um, and that was one of the ones I was like, you tricksy little devs, you. <laughs> yep. Well, not only that, but, like, the whole time you've been calling QQ and Q is not Q. Q yeah. is uh, a little boy named Sean. So we talked about the snail story. Um, Delta had a connection at some point in his in his life with a young boy named Sean um, who was terminally ill, who just had like a really great perspective on the world and died. And Delta, um, when he created robots, replicated like Sean's body and attitude into these little robots that ended up doing all of his bidding in the, in the decon facility. Yeah. And the reason that he died is due to the story that he has been yeah. telling us in pieces. That is the result. So when he's saying like a snail killed six million people, like again, it like the second midpoint, I guess, of that story is Sean's death. Um, mm-hmm. is part of it. It's, it's yeah, very it's cool. um, I I wrote it here that like so we've already talked about like Eric's mom was running, saw a snail, took a different path, was killed by Mira. Mira ended up becoming the Heart Ripper. Akane's dad was mm-hmm. falsely accused of that crime. He was he died. Akane mm-hmm. was put in an orphanage. Was abducted for nine nine nine. Yeah, and sorry he was if I'm skipping ahead a little death, bit. I think he was. He yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, but before that, he he was sentenced to death. But he was in a cab with Sean's surgeon. So Sean, the little boy, was terminally ill and had a surgeon that was coming to operate on him. Akane's dad and Sean's doctor died in the cab. No, I think Sean, I think the cab was supposed to be for Akane's dad, but he didn't go in yes. that cab because he was getting You're blamed right. for this murder. So then You're the right. surgeon took the cab, so he wasn't even supposed to be in there. Uh, mm-hmm. So the butterfly effect intensifies. So we have the reveal of of Delta. That is a twist. That is not the ending, though. Uh, like. There's also a lot that we've missed. Uh, like one of my favorite parts we've missed, uh, which is just like some wild jump train where they just start jumping between all sorts of different realities yep. in order to like get to the one they want and stuff. Um, Are you talking about like the the three dice rolls like stuff? Oh my goodness, yes! Like oh, that whole section is very cool um, mm-hmm. that we haven't even spoke about. But um, because there's a whole thing about probability and everything like that. But um. I think we're going to try and bring it home, so we'll yeah. like head towards the end and just know that there is more stuff that is quality as well. Um, mm-hmm. But what we also discover is that, and this is in the same, it's around the same reveal as, as Delta being there, is that um, the facility that we're in is actually, um, you get to see all the maps, and mm-hmm. what happens oh. is... The walls, like somebody breaks a wall, and uh, it turns out the walls are being projected on, um, 
And then they start like questioning things. They and then because all of them are awake from different people, Diana's like, "What time is it on your time? What time is it on your time?" And you notice that the hours are all staggered. Um, and then you look at all of the maps because they all have a map. And if you lay them on top of each other, it turns out they're all all of the wards that they have been in this entire time is the same. They've shared a lounge and they've shared decontamination room and stuff. The difference is they were never awake at the same time mm-hmm. to um, to meet each other. So, uh, all of their watches, for example, were always off time wise. Um, so, like Q team would have ninety minutes, they would be put to sleep. C team would have ninety minutes, they'd be put to sleep, and they were actually not being put to sleep. Like they were never really told how long they were being put to sleep, but it was much longer than they had thought. And that they were all in the same like shared common area, but like some of their escape rooms were a little bit different. Um, but they discovered that once they put like a little card underneath their um, their watch, they don't get put to sleep, and they realize that their watches are all off by like ninety minutes each. So one team has like twelve o'clock, one team has like thirteen thirty, and one team has like fifteen, you know, fifteen o'clock because. They're all in the same space. It's just those little robots are essentially like hiding the people, bringing out the right team, letting them wake up, letting them do their thing. And then, you know, no team is awake at the same time. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's very clever. And then you do see a little footage as well of like the little uh, Sean robots, like moving people around while they're asleep and stuff. Um, so this leads to the what we talked about originally which is a room that each peep like each team has and it's the the red box the false quit box and mm-hmm. um, at first you won't realize but it actually it's the same box because they're in the same room um so it's it's kind of like a pass the parcel the first team has to do something and then they all go to sleep and then when the team comes out it's their turn to do something else so the first team, I think they just have to put a code in, which is a code mm. that you get from a different timeline. Uh, oh, it's a Latin word, I think. It's something mm-hmm. Latin. It's one that Delta says, is it not? Yeah, it's he, he says, I can't remember. It's something Viva Hoodie it's or a, something. It's, yeah, it's a, it's a three-word <laughs> uh, expression that he says in Latin. Um, it's usually something to do with life and death and time and stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then, so they go to sleep. Uh, this is throughout the game, and then, but on the timeline, this is in the same timeline where none of them killed each other in the uh, decision game at the start, and then none of them pushed the button in the shower either. So they're all still alive to do this false quit box. Um, so then the next phase of the box is something to do with the quantum computer. Uh, yep. So Q deals with that on their turn. That mm-hmm. opens the next layer of the box. Um, which is for D team, where it asks for two mother's mementos. Um, and then by the end, you've figured out what they are, but also the ending starts happening. Uh, so I think you, you put one in and mm-hmm. then like Delta shows up. I can't remember exactly how it goes, but like everyone starts remembering the, their memories on that timeline as well. Like mm-hmm. everything you've done starts coming back to them on like he explains it as like there's a trigger like all of their memories just because they can't remember them are in the morphogenetic field and something Mm -hmm. happens 
um, can be a trigger and they all come flooding back. So this happens when uh, Diana's reading the mother's mementos thing and like mm-hmm. she just like clicks on like, that's fine, <laughs> like yep. me, like, mm-hmm. and then they like, she starts crying and then they remember too and they all start crying, they all have a big hug. Um, and I can't remember exactly how it then links to the ending, but um, that is the ending timeline uh, towards the final decision game, which involves uh, the false quit box as well and a confrontation with Q, the real Q. <laughs> um, Delta. Delta. So he... Does he, does he not get out of his chair? Reveal that his eyes are actually like purple for some reason. His eyes are purple, eyes and are that's purple. when he starts to tell you about his like how his powers are different. That he's not an esper, but because that he was born, he was essentially conceived and born in a time because you can access a morphogenetic field best when you're closest to death. And so the thought was that he got this different power, this powerful power, because he was conceived in like a, a time of death. He was like born in like a really tumultuous time and so he is not able to actually transfer his consciousness between timelines he just knows every single thing that happens in every timeline it's alluded to earlier in the game because i think carlos goes back to one specific timeline to get x passes that basically he like Mm. takes a fork and instead of like a fork where he dies he ends up going back to the other fork where then he can discover the the six X passes and he goes back to his original timeline, tries to put them in and Zero, Zero the second, who we know is Delta now, basically says like, I you're cheating. I know what you did. You can't use X passes from other alternate timelines. Yeah, that that was the part that I was alluding to. That's one of my favorite mm-hmm. parts um, yep. that we didn't actually get to. But yeah, you summed it up well there. Like each timeline has their own uh x passes because that's part of the game he knows that they're going to be time jumping and stuff mm-hmm. uh and yeah he reveals he is not a shifter he cannot he doesn't have that ability but because he can see into the mind of all these other shifters he's basically seen everything um and he reveals that he has a multitude of reasons uh for for these games one of them we haven't yeah we haven't really mentioned at all is um the the Thanos problem is what I've been calling it. Uh, basically, is that where eight billion people are dead, or where six billion people are dead? That's the exactly. Um, he in he has seen that in uh, in a timeline where Radical Six doesn't happen, which is ultimately the goal of Phi and Sigma here. They came back to stop the release of uh, Radical Six. And Radical Six, for those just not remembering, that is a virus that essentially causes you to your time to be distorted and for you to think time is passing in one root six. Um, basically, like all your time is is messed up and it just makes you go crazy and eventually kill yourself. Yeah. It is highly infectious. It's transmitted via like bodily fluids. And in Virtue's Last Reward, they're trying to prevent Radical Six from getting out and killing six out of eight billion people in the world. Yeah. So, um, obviously, uh, Delta has seen this, like, has seen the outcome of Radical Six not happening. And what actually happens in the future is uh, a terrorist happens and basically starts a nuclear war. 
uh, 8 billion people, which is all of the people in the world, die uh, and we become extinct. So Delta's trade-off is release Radical 6, 6 billion people die and they can't figure out the identity of the terrorist. So one of those 6 billion people is probably going to be the terrorist. (laughs) And that's the trade-off. 2 billion people survive versus Mm -hmm. extinction. Um, And they're like, what? (laughs) Like, there's no better way. Who are you to make that decision for humanity? (laughs) It's quite drastic. It's radical. (laughs) It, huh? <laughs> but, I'm so punny today. What's wrong with you? You are very punny today. <laughs> so they activate the force quit box. And that's the point where now we know Mira and Eric can't shift. Yeah. Uh, Delta can't shift. But everyone else, or at least a few folks in the group, can shift. And they've done, they've shifted so many times that they've essentially built up their shifting muscle so they are able to transport not only themselves but they are able to transport other people into alternate timelines yeah so what they end up doing is all players shift back to the literal first thing that happened in the game which was that coin toss where it was either you win the coin toss and you get to live and leave or you get to, you know, you fail the coin toss and six people have to die. The whole decision game happens. You're transported there. And at that point, Delta is basically like, I did all of this. So he was the mastermind. You know, Akane and Junpei think that they're the ones like pulling all the strings. It was actually their clone's child that ended up pulling all of the strings to prevent instead of six people billion people dying he got everyone to the point where their morphogenetic powers are so powerful that they can just shift through timelines and eventually figure out who the terrorist is that is going to nuke eight billion people yeah he's um he's so proud because like they all start uh he's telling them the plan about um the six billion people and stuff and they're like uh, and about how it's going to get nuked and they're like no we're not going to let it the future isn't set in stone we can change it and he starts laughing and he's like see this is exactly what i wanted i wanted to get you all in this mindset uh so that maybe this uh thingy stands a chance this timeline and it's very uh morally questioning because mm-hmm. at the at the cost of all of these other timelines everything that's ever gone wrong is that worth to to have one timeline that that works like it's a fascinating um dilemma to me um mm. because the characters don't it is mentioned during and i remember i think i talked about it in vlr that like when they are shifting between timelines they aren't just jumping in they are kicking the other version of them out yes into the situation that they left behind so every time that they were in deathly danger and jumped away the other version of them still had to die like that. Uh, those are the timelines still exist. It's just they easy to say they, they don't matter. Threw, they threw like them a, a different version of themselves in front of a train to die in other timelines. Basically, yeah, because the uh, the fourth quit box, like we've been working at that because we think it's going to end the game. But what it actually did was set a self destruct bomb mm-hmm. ticking down, and that's the danger of. And that was the final decision game, where he was like, "Are you going to stay here and die?" Uh, or are you gonna sacrifice your other selves so that you can get out uh of i mean you can do both but of course like they sacrifice their other selves 
for the greater mm-hmm. good because these the guys now have the knowledge to try and save the world. Uh, but but only save the world in their timeline. In their timeline, right? all the they're, others they're are literally, so screwed. Yeah, they're killing thousands of different versions of themselves. The Thanos problem, uh, <laughs> just to have that one like out of out of six million chance. I'm bringing Marvel into it uh, of them like surviving. It's, yeah. it's it honestly is is truly fascinating. And what I appreciate about this conversation is when I first played through the game. Um, what I appreciated is some of the major beats, like the Delta thing is still to me the wildest part of it. But even going back and, and again, going back with you and talking through like the moral quandary, the zero time dilemma that we're experiencing is like, (laughs) it's, this game is really special is I guess, is I guess what I have to say. Mm -hmm. I have, I'm so glad we've done this because I have had such a good time rewatching it. And uh, now that I've been less confused about the science of it, that I could just Mm -hmm. be all in on the morality of it kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I was already uncomfortable, like, in my playthrough. Uh, I talk about it all the time, about I feel guilty every time we shift because imagine being the one, the other one. Um, And um, it's been really fun to, like, also go and watch other people's um because like some people i watch don't acknowledge that part of it at all uh it's all about the the plot twists and the science and stuff but i do want to like stress that if you look for it there is this other angle to it as well where Mm -hmm. it's like how far do you go and uh just because basically this universe like uh what's the phrase like if you can't see it then it's not that I don't know what I'm trying to say, but um, well, I do know what I'm trying to say is that um, it's out of sight, out of mind. Is that the yep, one? Yep, yep, that's, that's the, the one, one for um. These are the yeah. universes because they're they're like dying in another timeline that I don't have to see. I don't care. Yeah, that's the out exact sight, attitude they've got. And to me, I'm just like alarmed, but also like they don't need to go back to those timelines, so it's not their problem. <laughs> Uh, yeah. It's it's very interesting. Oh, he had another reason for what he did as well. It was so that he could be born. <laughs> he, right? Yeah, he was selfish in his own way. Yeah, he um, he, he, they have a conversation about sort of genetics and um, like it's been proven that people making babies in dangerous situations uh, have more psycho. Uh, what's that word? Like psycho different babies uh mm-hmm. like they're more prone to having yeah. abilities like to psych basically psychic powers yeah so he like he needed this danger to happen how it happened also to make sure that he was born with his ability and mm-hmm. i guess Fly was born with her ability and uh it's 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 kind of the 999 situation of you've seen it so then you create it he kind of does mm-hmm. what Akane does in the first game uh a little different. She does it so she doesn't die. He does it so he gets born. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's a multitude of reasons. And then one of the really cool things is like when they first enter the desert uh, after they've jumped out of the danger mm-hmm. game uh, into the original timeline where nothing's happened. They like Delta is there and he's like just stood there and they're like, 
call the police like we're gonna get you arrested carlos is like call the police and he's like in this timeline none of it happened yeah and also i've already cleaned out the entire (laughs) facility so good luck yeah he's just like why what have i done and And then you kill the final decision the final decision too is Mm -hmm. like essentially carlos gets really upset and he's just like then why should i i should just kill you for everything that you put us through and the the last decision that you're really put through is do you kill delta or not yeah, he like he he gives you the decision. He like gives you yep. a gun, and he's like, uh, basically, after everything I've done, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I'll leave it down to you guys, and uh, cut to the credits. You don't get to make the yeah. decision. <laughs> yeah, uh, and like we didn't even talk about like all the things that Delta. I th- there's like stuff in this game that if you like play it just a little bit, or you're playing it half paying attention, like the lore you don't really get into, but like. He essentially had to to left, who is Dio from the the Virtuous oh, yeah. Reward game, is tied to Delta. Like De- Delta and left, like left is his adoptive younger brother. Mm-hmm. Delta would have had to found Free the Soul. Yeah, he did. Um, he mentions it. Yeah, he mentions it, and that had like essentially that was the organization that organized the first nonary game. Like we know all this stuff, but it's just like he would have had to essentially create a terrorist organization. Um, and you know, uh, there were clones of people and I'm I'm not even doing it. I'm not doing it justice here, but like there's even stuff right below the surface that you're just like, you dive in and you're just like, oh man, there's there it's dense lore. I guess is what I'm saying. Do you know what's trippy about that as well is right. Let me see if I get this right. So Dio being part of our organization was sent into VLR. He was supposed to like thwart it, right? Yep. Is that what Delta wants? left was yeah left was supposed to thwart it but delta wants it to succeed right because he wants he wants them to come back and play the game so screw you deal (laughs) yeah isn't it just like it's mind bending but like from what i remember also like dio wasn't the first like left there was a bunch of them right like they yeah. were just like almost like sean how he was just a million robots yes there was just yeah. like a bunch of left dios unfortunately um, we didn't get much like explanation of that or like insight into that part of it mm-hmm. in this game i would like to know a little bit more about that stuff uh but they didn't really he just basically mentioned that he he founded it uh mm-hmm. and there wasn't a lot more which I would like to know. Yeah. I think the thing that I, I was left with that I appreciated much more when I watched it again before we did this recording was at the end, you essentially get the snail story. You get the whole thing told to you in a row, yeah. um, which I think that's probably a good place to like to, to finish of where we like show where most of the characters are connected. I mentioned the first half, but like Eric's mom was the one running, took a different path because of the snail, was killed by Mira. Mira was the heart ripper. Okane's dad was supposed to be in a cab he didn't take the cab was killed she was put in foster care and put in 999 her dad's cab was given a sean surgeon sean surgeon died sean befriended delta sean in the hospital died delta made the sean robots based off of him uh akane junpei phi and sigma follow vlr um where they um delta and sigma traveled the moon 
and spend three years there before Diana dies. Fi's first copy. It, like, there's all this, all this stuff that I'm not even doing. I'm just like quickly going through of like the first Fi copy adopts the second Fi copy. Carlos's sister is cured from her reverie. Uh, Akani and Junpei get engaged. Uh, Eric and Mira get married, and then Mira goes to jail. Uh, <laughs> Mira uses the transporter to unmurder Eric's mother. It's just, it's nuts. That's the epilogue. That's the part that made me shake my head. <laughs> Where she went to unmurder Eric's mom. I don't see what happened to her to make her have such a drastic yeah. change. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing happened. She's still to a her. bloodthirsty murderer. Yeah. I, I so. pretend that that part of the epilogue didn't happen personally. <laughs> You'd like the rest can stay, but, but like Mira's yeah. evil. Yeah, definitely. It's, it's, it's a good game. Is there any major threads that we didn't talk about that you that you want to jump in before we before we wrap up here? Um, I guess I just it's interesting how they do a lot of the pseudoscience uh, or real science, I guess, about probability um, and mm. paradoxes with um, with that kind of thing. That's really interesting, and a lot of the games are actually randomized. So, like the gun one that you're talking about with the Russian roulette, that's random. Mm. So, like. Um, I actually needed more help figuring out how to progress uh, than I did with the puzzles because I didn't know it was random. So like, I got a lot of unlucky. <laughs> I just kept on shooting uh, Sigma mm-hmm. over and over again. I didn't know how to progress it, but it was just fifty-fifty. Um, mm-hmm. so like, money hole problem. Very cool. I love that. Yep. I could not get my head around that, and I had it explained to me, and I was like, "How is that possible?" But it works. Yeah, and see, I used to watch like Let's Make a Deal, like the game show that Monty Hall hosted oh, back in the day. Okay. So like I, I was a fan of Monty Hall growing up, and so like it wasn't this game, but it was somewhere else that like I think there's a YouTube video that talks about maybe like a channel like Veritasium or one of those channels that talks about the Monty Hall problem. Right. And I just think it's like super fascinating to for, for Monty Hall essentially to be like do you want the door you have or do you want this other door? And by changing, you think it's one out of a third if you have three doors, but actually you increase your odds by choosing it. it it's fascinating. It, it's amazing. Uh, it's mm-hmm. so cool. Uh, so like, I Even like the prisoner's dilemma comes back in this one too. At one point, there's a, a new virus that's introduced that's not Radical 6. Yes, that I think that's it's cool. called, I forget what it is, what it's called. I um, don't know. I, I wrote it down here. Uh, Fanatic Bio R. So FBR and Radical 6 counteract each other. So there's one point where um, I think Zero is like to one of the groups uh, is like, hey, you may have been infected by this Fanatic Bio R, which will kill you. But if you inject yourself with Radical 6, if you think you have FBR, they'll counteract each other and you'll die. Or sorry, and you'll live. So it's very much like the, the prisoner's dilemma of like, you know, uh, I, I'm not going to do it justice here, but bringing the, they even brought the AB game back into it as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, this was just like a nice chair. I think that VLR is a, the story of VLR is more interesting, but this is a very close second to me. Yeah. It's the, the rewatch of it and doing this is like, I already really enjoyed it, but it wasn't what I was expecting. So, and because I had this like response of where I finished the game and it, to me on my first impression, it ended abruptly. Uh, I guess I was used to the other games having like 5 million endings. Uh, it, and I hadn't understood one, the twist and two, then I was like just reeling in my brain, like what is happening? Uh, but then 
with time, it's like just elevated and I understand all the science more than I understand the VLR stuff because yep. like, I feel like I've at least been able to talk a little bit more clearly than I was in that one because I understand it a bit better. Um, it did some good, like the, I like the characters more in this one. Yep. Um, I liked the anime, like as janky as it is, like a lot of people don't like the animation, but I really liked it. I liked it. I'm with you. It's It's just a different... It's a different vibe. I enjoyed like the bloodiness and stuff. I think the yep. thing that I the thing that I was missing was feeling like the choices had so much weight. Uh mm-hmm. like cuz in VLA you knew you were going to go back and do them, but again, you got mm-hmm. you got railroaded. Doesn't happen so much in this one. Uh mm-hmm. so you don't feel the consequences as much. That's the one mm-hmm. thing I feel like I'm missing. But other than that, this is like it's creeping up. I don't know if it's even tying with VLR, even though that was my favorite last time. It's more I, easy to digest somehow. I know. Me this, too. This one. This one is um, easier to digest. I think so. Mm. I think that they're second, very close. Yeah. Just because if you ask me to describe the time, the closed loop that happens mm-hmm. uh, in the end of VLR... I still can't describe it. <laughs> like where the consciousnesses are going and stuff. I always mm-hmm. have to spend like half an hour figuring it out. Whereas mm-hmm. this, it all just, it makes sense to me. Um, mm-hmm. And I enjoy Delta's motivations as well, because I think mm-hmm. they are like, it's the it's the cool kind of villain where it's like, he's not totally yep. wrong. I mean, he's wrong, but he's not. Yep. Like he's got, you know, it's like, feel like a bad person for agreeing with a little bit of what he says yeah uh and Even i like, like that Th- kind when of you think villain. of thanos we brought up thanos his motivation is like i want to kill correct me if i'm wrong here but i want to kill half the population because i feel like there aren't enough resources to go around for everyone mm-hmm. so that's why i want half of the population to be gone so that yeah. that half of the population lives better yeah than, exactly like if there are double the people which like in itself is not I mean, it's 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 almost like the like Delta here. It is, yeah. That's why I brought Thanos up because I find him fascinating as well. Because like in his mind, it's either half or extinct, uh, yeah. and that's like what's happening with with Delta as well. Um, yeah. It's a quarter it's a, or extinct. Yeah, exactly. So it's it's a it is a dilemma that I find fascinating, and that's beyond all of the other stuff that happened that. Uh, I do think it made a lot of sense. Uh, it all came together really well. Mm-hmm. Um, any final thoughts about Zero Time Dilemma? I mean, I always think of stuff after, but I think we have sort <laughs> of... <laughs> we've, we've touched on... We've at least touched everything, I think. Uh, or t- touched most things. I guess what I'll say then to folks who are listening... If there's something that you're listening to this podcast and you're screaming at the top of your lungs... Noob, Jacob, you forgot this thing. <laughs> Do two things. You can find Noob on Twitter at Control Alt Noob. You can find me on Twitter at Jacob McCourt, J A C O B M C C U O U R T. Tweet at both of us at and me. just say at us and say, <laughs> "Yo, guys, you forgot about this very important thing." Or jump into our Discord. Um, it's at leftbehindgame.club/discord and just scream at us and say you forgot this very important thing because. I thought we got most of it, but we always forget one or two things. It's just the way it goes. It's a big game. It's a big series. That we finally did it. 
We did it. So when it. are we doing the? When are we doing AI the song? <laughs> Play it and then see. I yeah, would be down. Like, I would actually just be down. wait. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be able where to replay can you be- it. Yeah, I uh, I just need to play it. God damn now that I finished Bloodborne, now that Bloodborne is finished, that I can finally play other games. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it's funny we're recording this. This is a peek behind the curtain. We're recording this before the Bloodborne episode, um, but I finished Bloodborne, and you've you've played Bloodborne, haven't you? I've watched it. I haven't played it. Okay, I'm so glad I'm done with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, yeah, I. I don't love Bloodborne. Like I like the Souls games, but Bloodborne, like I mean, I've only watched them except I've played some Elden Ring. But Bloodborne's mm. my least favorite. Uh, but oh. it's just from like the vibes, the aesthetic. It's just not my, it's not my vibe. Uh, but I like the medieval stuff more. Uh, but I'm very looking forward to listening to the next episode as well because I did enjoy uh, hearing about your adventures and how it was going. We're recording it in two days from now, and uh, I don't know how much I'm going to go off on it. We'll see. Here's, here's, I'll give you a sneak peek. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I beat it. I never want to play a, a Bloodborne, Soulsborne, Souls game again. The thing is, now that you've done it, no one can say you haven't, you know? <laughs> yeah. I, I did it. You did I it. I didn't like it. There like, you go exactly like it's not like no one can say you didn't try (laughs) thank you this is why i bring you back on the pod just so you can (laughs) pump my ego um if folks want to find you on the internet and find your wonderful work where are the places that they can do that uh you can find me on twitch at control noob zero on youtube control noob i have a blog website www.controlnoob.com com or co.uk or i don't actually know what it is something like that uh and twitter i control it's calm it's calm.com uh and yeah twitter same name i think that's everywhere uh you said some of the things that you're playing through uh now Mm -hmm. um what are some of the things that you're planning to play through soon that's a good question uh we have Next, after Darkseid Detective, we're playing Gabriel Knight 2, which mm-hmm. uh, I've never played one, but it's FMV uh, adventure, old, old, old school, uh, mm-hmm. apparently. Apparently it's good. Uh, and then we have to play, I don't have a schedule, but we have to play, play Papers, Please. Uh, oh! Yeah, I've been dipping into Darkest Dungeon. Uh, don't know if how much I'm bringing that back. Uh, I'm going to try Enter the Gungeon as well. That's another Ooh, one. Okay. A very, yep. like, variety. And then I have some long games like Mass Effect and Yakuza, y- Yakuza Zero to try out mm-hmm. too. Uh, so, like, yeah. Lots of games. Lots of good games. Here's a fun tease for the future. Um, we may be playing Yakuza Zero soon, so stay oh. tuned. Oh, I, I better hurry then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... Thank you again for coming on the show today. We, we really love having you. Um, you're welcome back anytime. Thank you so much for having me. We finished um, the series. Find- we did it! Woo! <laughs> uh, you can find all things Left Behind Game Club at leftbehindgame.club, on Twitter at leftbehindclub, and on Instagram at leftbehindgameclub. Uh, if you like the show, do us a favor, send it to a friend because that's how people hear about podcasts, and give it a five-star review on your podcast platform of choice. If you're going to give it four, don't even bother because we don't want it. <laughs> um, but let us know in the Discord how we can change the show to make it better for you. 
uh, the, you can find me on the internet at Jacob McCourt, J-A-C-O-B-M-C-C-O-U-R-T. Um, Twitter is where I'm going to do my ranting. Uh, I've been making daily TikToks for almost 300 days now. Uh, I do these little 30-second essays about old games. Um, some of them are weirdly popular. Um, but again, Twitter and TikTok are probably the best places to find me. Um, that's going to be it for now. Uh, so in the words of Michael Ruffalo, I guess shout out Michael Ruffalo. Uh, and that, my friends, is one less game left behind. Hey, I'm Jacob McCord. I'm Katie Lesbrance. And I'm Travis Colnett. We are hosting a brand new podcast called Cutscenes. There are tons of video game podcasts and tons of TV film podcasts, but we're going to bring you the intersection of both and talk about video game, movies, and TV. I know what you're thinking. Aren't most of them not very good? Wrong. Some of them are fine. And we're going to tell you all about them. Make sure to subscribe on your podcasting platform of choice. Follow us on Twitter at Cutscenes underscore pod. And most importantly, give us a listen. See you soon. Cutscenes, a video game movie podcast.